We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. gentlemen hey. hello greetings to the said only uh california golden bears uh, podcast i guess Clubhouse? live live conversation yes people speaking and saying things yes they should not take this seriously but somehow people do we're going 15 and 0 next season 15, 15 we're going on 15 next season <laughs> Uh, that's that's my position right now because it's March and none of this matters. How does zero and fifteen even happen? Like no one and fifteen. Sorry, one and fifteen. No, sorry, uh, <laughs> fifteen and zero. God, sorry, 15. I just finished cooking dinner, so. You mean fifteen? You know what the most heartbreaking number would be? Would be fourteen Fif- and one. I have Patriots friends, so yes, since we're Patriots fans. Oh boy. I mean, technically, you could. Be a one-loss playoff team if the other play, uh, teams in the top have one or two losses as well. And you have Alabama, they go 12-0. and 0. And as long as two other, three other teams don't go uh, perfect, then you can squeeze in with a loss. That is that is very true. Yeah, as uh, long as it's like a quote-unquote quality loss. So, you know, a blue blood like SC or a fluke Oregon thing. I mean, if we lose the cap... Cal Poly, because Bo Baldwin knows everything that Wilcox will throw at him, and then we go undefeated. It'll be the most confusing college football playoff panel of all time. Well, uh, I guess, I guess, uh, I mean, there's two other people in the room, but we can talk about some Cal football stuff since we're already here talking. Um, Are the viewers but... not demanding Cal basketball talk? <laughs> uh, let's talk no one... Cal swimming. No one's because asked about that yet. Um, but let me uh, let me ask you guys, how, what do you guys think about the schedule? Like, do you guys, I mean, nothing's really changed, right? It's it's exactly as we expected. I love it. Schedule to be. So I'll, I'll, I will give you my schedule perspective, which is that um, 
people really like to try to analyze the schedule each year to see, like, is it favorable for us winning games or is it unfavorable because we're going to lose games? We already knew what the games were going to be. And I don't think that the order that they go in, at least as we can project right now, matters for winning and losing. So the only thing that does matter is my entertainment as a fan. And so getting Arizona in November when it's a wonderful time to visit because uh, it'll be, you know, 80 degrees instead of 106 degrees, that's a big plus. Getting L.A. in November when it'll be a nice time to visit L.A. is a plus. Having all the California schools right at the end of the schedule to create narrative, that's fun. Um, having no home games on a Thursday or a Friday is great. Having a road game on a Friday so that I can um, enjoy that game and not miss other games, that's great. Uh, from a enjoying the season perspective as a fan, perfect schedule. Full full points. So you're a fan of ending the season with two away games, like having our last home game that early in the year? Like, it's November 13th, we'll, we'll be done playing at Memorial. Yeah, quite honestly, because we're gonna we knew what games we were gonna get in Memorial, so I'd just as soon get them done earlier when the weather's better, so that we're not like shivering in Memorial Stadium and it's thirty degrees at eleven p.m. because of course it'll be a night game. Yeah, I'm I'm all for pushing the Memorial games earlier in the season when we can enjoy the nice weather. Now, now we have the local aspect or the the point of view. I need Peter's uh. East Coast perspective. And none of the, this matters for me except for November because that's usually when I fly back to uh, California for a trip. And looks like it's going to be uh, probably going to watch the Stanford game. I don't remember when Thanksgiving is at, but I try to avoid Thanksgiving, so Stanford it is. Have you been to a Rector Set Stadium before? Um, no, but I've seen an empty parking lot. It's roughly the same thing, right? <laughs> But with more erectors, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, so for me, as long as no night games, I remember staying up for the UW game when it started at 1 a.m. Eastern and I was up to 4, deliriously tweeting. Um, what else? Uh, my, my, my view is that our bye week's right where we need it to be. It's right before Friday night game, a yeah. Friday game away at Oregon. Um it kind of divides, it's in the middle, so it kind of bisects the schedule. Perfect time to, you know, rest, recuperate. But let's say there's a freak inju- early season injury because, you know, conditioning or something like that against Nevada or TCU. The bye week will get somebody, you know, will provide someone, you know, with time to rest up for the uh, Oregon-Colorado stre- uh, OSU stretch, which, you know, two years ago, Colorado is a win. OSU is a win, but now, or three years ago, I guess. But now they're, you know, Colorado had a very good 2020. Oregon State seems to be building to something, and Arizona's bad juju. Nothing good happens in Arizona from a football perspective. It yeah, never, never goes well. And if you want to talk about like the narrative of the season for the Pac-12, one of the big narratives is going to be that like almost every team in the conference is returning a ton of players because because of COVID and everybody getting an extra year of eligibility and because the Pac-12 season was particularly borked compared to everybody else, pretty much, you know, everybody is coming back from every program in the country or every program in the Pac-12. And so 
you know, everybody's pretty experienced and, and veteran. And so I don't think like, like there isn't a team that you want to get early necessarily because like they're young, but talented and they'll get better as the year goes on. I don't think maybe Oregon, but for the most part, every team is pretty veteran and I don't think it really matters what time of the year you get them other than random injury luck, but you can't project that now. Yeah. I mean, of course there's some cases where a veteran player is actually preventing a much more talented younger player from, you know, coming in because uh, co- coaches are, you know, tend to be conservative. They don't, they want a low variance. I know what I'm getting player rather than gambling on a young guy, but that washes out. That's just randomness. That's just noise. Um, yeah. I so. mean, I, I think the one thing that kind of struck me by surprise with the schedule is, they could have used this 2021 season schedule to realign some of the home and away stuff. Um, just because last season was so, you know, it didn't really count. But they didn't. Like, that's the thing that shocked me, is that they kept it all the same. Like, you know, we could have done with maybe, what, flipping flipping Oregon and Oregon State, like the home and away, this particular year, and then have our odd year home games be... Uh, one of the mountain schools, um, the one of the Washington or Washington State, uh, Oregon, SC. Like I think that's a that would have been nicer to balance it out, you know, because just looking at our odd and even year schedules, especially at home, it's so different, you know. Um, so I guess the question I always wonder when that comes up is, would any of the other programs? in the conference want to change their schedules too in a way that would be advantageous for them as well. Cause like, who, I don't even know if that's something that Cal has pushed. I kind of doubt it. I don't think that the conference is competent enough to think about things that way or if they even care. So would one of those other teams want to alter their schedule? I don't know. I mean, from a Cal ticket office perspective, it's easier to sell an even year than an odd year, right? Like, you you can sell Washington, Oregon, Stanford, or the big game, and the UCLA game. Yeah. yeah. But, but the thing is, again, we need cooperation from 11 other teams saying, okay, you know, yeah. let's, let's mess around with schedule two. As Pac-12, if you want to profit maximize, if you want to really make, you know, send one of the teams to college football playoffs, are you really going to bias it towards Cal giving them, you know, a good home schedule uh, yeah. so that they can play well? Or, you know, we're going to bias it for Oregon, UW, and SC, and maybe UCLA because those are, you know, when you ask somebody on the uh, in the Midwest or the East Coast, like, you know, name me an East Coast team, they think SC, a West Coast team, they think SC, they think UCLA because, you know, the brand, UW, and Oregon. I mean, you know, people think Cal and Berkeley are two different schools. I actually have to explain to somebody that no, I did not go to Cal State. Yes, Marshawn Lynch and Aaron Rodgers did graduate. Good, did go to Berkeley. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, this is definitely, as you guys both said, it's something that the entire conference would have had to, to to discuss. I'm just, I'm just surprised that we haven't heard any inklings that that was even part of the discussion going into this year. Like, it, you know, it's a it's kind of a reset year. Let's uh, look at you know all our all our matchups and see what what else we can do. But clearly, that didn't happen. So they were all looking for. Uh, the new uh, a, uh, the new commissioner because Larry Scott is departing us. Uh, like a two, poli- two, two more months? What's Three a polite way of saying good riddance? Uh, happy trails, Larry. 
but with quotation marks. But with, yeah, with quotation marks. Over the happy. Uh, yeah, and an asterisk, and a footnote, and a header. Uh, just very, the sarcastic, you know. Uh, yep. Happy trails, Larry. Happy exactly. trails. Exactly. This is a good reminder that I need to spend some time in the offseason writing a column with the title, Larry Scott was bad, but also I don't think anybody is going to do meaningfully better. Really? Yeah. Even even before you even hear the name of who it actually is? Well, yeah, but just I just don't think the real problems are fixable. Um, and so... Or just a commissioner? Yeah, like, because yeah. the, problem, the problem the Pac-12 faces is that the Pac-12 has fewer fans than other conferences, and I don't think that that's a problem that can be fixed by a commissioner. Yeah, yeah. it's... it's I think it's, I mean, if you do want to boost the amount of fans and actually make a meaningful impact, you'd have to probably make a structural change. So trim everything and start, you know, really narrow down what is important to, what is our aim, getting more fans? How do we do it? TV exposure. Okay, what are our deals? We're evaluating that. And the quality of, of the quote of a product on the field. Like, do you know that the, uh, referee, um, the the head honcho for referees of football in the Pac-12 has refereed, I think, only the M- in the MAC. While all other uh, conferences, their head of officiating was somebody who has, you know, Power Five and NFL experience at the least. So there's some you, would, you know easy fixes too that we can. You would, uh, you would think with the amount of referees that have been to the pros, you could easily just kind of swoop one in and put as your you know, Hell, you get some money together and put on the, the biggest name available, uh, Ed Hockley. He's a he's a former lawyer or current lawyer, and he's retired from the NFL. And that would, if, be, a, that know, would be a good hire. And any complaints about refereeing would have to be addressed to him and his two guns. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's also a, you know a PR factor. He's the most widely known uh, referee and. Probably NFL and you know just football history because of just the brand he has. You know, widely known as extremely competent, loquacious with the rules, and you know, yeah, and it's a very easy fix because the bar is set so low for the Pac-12, <laughs> so low. Like I can't. There are two bars in the. There are three bars in DC, which is one of the biggest metropolitan areas in, you know, the U.S. Like the DMV area. And there are only three bars that have the Pac-12 because it's like it's really hard. So we have to share bars. Like SC shares the bar with UCLA and Utah, I think. We used to share our bar with Washington State and Arizona, which nearly got me into a fight. You know, it's you know the, the fixes are the initial fixes are simple, but it requires structural thinking. The, I think whoever comes in, like as soon as they establish, like, look, we're on YouTube TV now, or we're on, you know, Direct TV now. If Hell, put it on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> Do they get that in the bars down in Washington? Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, if there's a will, there's a way, and I have a lot of will for that. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think any commissioner that comes in and gets that done automatically vaults themselves above Larry Scott. Like, just. Just even doing that, just making it more accessible to watch Pac-12 games. Well, of course, the point you're making is true, 
And also a reminder that while Larry Scott was very, very disappointing, he was also better than the previous conference coordinator. How? <laughs> yeah, true. I can agree. Like our, our TV situation was worse and gave us a lot less money before. Uh, RIP versus network. <laughs> <laughs> some people don't need, like, so you, you can like go back and watch like the big game or some other Cal games. And you're like, what TV network is this on? Like I, like if you, if you've never seen those games when they were happening, you'd have no idea that like TV networks like versus network even existed. I didn't know Fox sports had a Fresno affiliate. How about that? <laughs> um, uh, we got we got some other stuff to talk about, guys. We got to talk yeah. about uh, we got to talk about the new hire. We got to talk about Mr. Trey Watson. No, and that's not the running back, the former Cal running back. It is actually the UNLV cornerbacks coach. Is the new Cal cornerbacks coach or DB coach? Anyone have Re- thoughts? Recruiting, 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 recruiting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, mean it all boils down to that. Yeah, I think I I said in a column like a week or two ago that like the pattern that almost every single hire Wilcox has made since like he, he, he had his original staff and that staff was pretty stable for the first two, three, four years of his era at Cal. And as those guys have one by one moved on, almost every single hire that Wilcox has made has pretty clearly to me been a move about improving Cal's ability to recruit. Um, and you can see that in the recruiting results. Uh, but, you know, even at the time of the hire, you could look at the guy being picked for the most part and think that, like, that's a recruiting move. Burl Toller was a recruiting move. Um, our associate head coach and defensive coordinator, whose name is escaping me embarrassingly, Sermon. was a recruiting Sermon was a recruiting move. Um, I don't know if you'd necessarily say that about... Um, our offensive coordinator, but you know, pretty much everybody else, it's been about recruiting. And I think um, the DB coach hire Trey Watson is absolutely again about recruiting. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just makes sense because that's how you're going to raise the profile of the program. Yeah, and I mean, looking at the two quarterbacks Bo Musgrave recruited, they're four-star quarterbacks. We haven't the pre, uh, Bo Baldwin was only to, able to get you know some high ceiling three stars, but. Between Chase and Kai Milner, we haven't had a four-star quarterback come in, and now we have two in a row, and not just two in a row, you know, late in the process, as if you know they were dropped by you know, or under recruited. They're early in the process guys who are in demand. Yeah, right. no, that's a good point. Like I didn't actually, when Musgrave was hired, I didn't really think like he was oh, clearly he did, yeah. clearly going to be a plus recruiter, but so far at least he has been. So you mm-hmm. know, hooray for that. Yeah, he can sell his vision. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Justin's always been uh, is looking at it as like I need young guys or very experienced. There's not much in the middle, you know. Uh, but mostly extreme, you know, twenty years of experience. Aristotle Thompson, young guy. Burl Toller, young guy. Angus, experience. Keith Crisp, experience. Sermon, experience. Browning, young guy. Hayward, experience. Watson, young guy. And then Charlie. Le- we keep forgetting about Charlie Rago. Where does he fall in that? <laughs> well, uh, I think it's interesting to point out that Regal is the only coach who came in in uh, in Wilcox's first year who's still on staff, and probably not coincidentally, he was he's the best recruiter 
from the original group of, of Cal assistant coaches. Mm. Um, that isn't to say that necessarily that he's going to be with the program long term for sure. He's been connected with other jobs, but you know it's probably not a coincidence that Wilcox want to, wants to keep his best recruiter on staff for as long as possible. Yeah, I mean, thank the one you, thing Brett, that... Brett Johnson. <laughs> yeah, Brett Johnson. Brett Johnson is the gift that keeps on giving and will be forever until he leaves campus. Uh, I think the big thing to know here too is that when Wilcox first came in and they talked about continuity and. I don't think he meant continuity. I mean, looking back on hindsight, I don't think he meant continuity in the sense of, yeah, these coaches are going to be here for a long time. We're not going to have one-year turnarounds uh, in terms of assistant coaching staff, which we kind of did this year with Yates, but that's, that's uh, I think, an outlier point. Um, but I think what he meant by continuity was that when you have that foundation set with you know that entire first original staff, now the positions and the players kind of coach themselves, right? Like the older guys have been in this system and know what the coaches want, that Wilcox is not going to hire a guy to come in and disrupt all of that, more so just to build on that foundation and maybe bring in some new concepts or things to kind of tweak it. But all in all, like the, the way practice is held, the way position groups meet, like all of the structural things is already there, that when a freshman or sophomore comes in, it's, you know, you have <clears throat> juniors and seniors and fifth-year seniors and, you know, heck, we even had 60 year seniors. Um, that know, like, this is what we do, this is how we do it, and it just kind of sets the tone and that continuity, and I think that mm -hmm. in itself kind of coaches itself, and that's one of the big things that Wilcox said a couple of years ago, at a, I think at Spring Ball, is that particularly what, oh, he was talking about the takers, he was talking about the takers and how all of them have, like, become pseudo-teachers to all of the young guys mm -hmm. um, for each position, and so I think that foundation, I think, is what he probably wanted to set with that ex super experienced, um, what's it, initial staff that you know might not have done it recruiting wise, but did enough uh, with the talent. I mean, they max. We talk about this all the time, man. Like he, ma they maximized Sonny Dykes' defensive recruits, you know, and we lamented how how terrible you know the defensive recruiting had been, and then he turned a bunch of them into Pac-12 players. Yeah, I mean, it's it's about the process, right? Okay, Jeff Wilcox came in, he said, I have a process, it'll take time, but once we have a process, whoever comes in doesn't necessarily need to coach the Wilcox defense. Like, Tim DeRoyder did not coach the Tim DeRoyder defense, like how he coached mm -hmm. the, the Wilcox defense. As long as they understand what the Wilcox process demands and are willing to accept it, then this will self-perpetuate. Yep. I absolutely think that's correct. I mean, the one thing that's interesting to note is I was reading our, uh, I was going through the the comments on the website today, and SG Bear wrote this like big thing about assistant assistant coach sa uh, salary pool. You know, we're sitting at one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, seventh in the conference, not including. USC or Stanford because they are not public schools, so they do not need to report. Anything. So we're ninth, in other words. Mm -hmm. yep. At 3.655 million, that's uh, 50K less than ASU. Or, sorry, yeah, 50K less than ASU and 5,000 more than Oregon State. Living in probably the most expensive neighborhood out of all of the Pac 12 schools. Yeah. What you what you cooking there, Nick? 
Oh, I'm just cleaning up the kitchen. It's been a long work week, mm. and it's a disaster in here. I feel that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, again, it's. It's a restricted. Uh, it's a restriction. Money is a. You know, people need money. That's. I'm saying <laughs> econ one one stuff. People As an economist. Money. At the IMF, people need money. Thank you very much. Coming from a TED talk. Well, it's but the thing is, like, people don't. Cal will never be the terminal destination of any football coach unless we become the Bama or, you know, Michigan or something like that. Which, looking at it, we won't. We'll at best probably be Gary Peterson, TCU, or uh, Kansas State before when they had the coach who was there for twenty some odd years. Or Snyder. North, yeah, Snyder or Northwestern, right? So what Wilcox can offer and he's shown is that you come here, you work under me, and you'll get a better job. And not a single, besides Tim DeRoyder, not a single one of our, and um, Yates, not a single of our coaches has taken a demotion. They've all taken a step up in the, you know, the pecking order of coaching. And that's Well, no, no one's also been fired. But I could well, also say that Wilcox is very loyal. It more says, says more about Wilcox than anything because, you know, after the first, the second season of Bob Baldwin's offense, I think we were all, you know, waiting for the tweet to come that never came. Well, yeah, to your point about uh, assistant coaching salaries, maybe we should uh, up the pool. We are an athletic department that made a profit this year now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. We... Uh, and I say this in a weird, joking, but not really joking way. We could potentially pay Fox's buyout and still have money for it. Uh, Fox's Never. buyout is probably going to go through <laughs> donors then. <laughs> the general as a, budget. As an IMF uh, economist, how do you view Cal's uh, shady bookkeeping practices? <laughs> well, got uh, Greece in trouble, but... I think we're more competent than the Greek politicians, so we'll be fine. Oh, and that's I'm, I'm, that's a low bar. <laughs> look, man, we just were we were just talking about Larry Scott, so I, yeah, we are just fine. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I don't know how other you know departments do their bookkeeping, bookkeeping, and I'd have to actually dig into Cal's bookkeeping over the years to see what they actually did besides, uh, you know, the selling an asset to the university and striking a deal that makes us look in the green. And if other schools are doing it, then yeah, you know, we're back to the norm you know, being quote unquote honest about our books just made us look worse and nobody, and people don't care about the nuance of, but we were correct from a moral standpoint. You know, <laughs> like, let's be real here. If you're walking, if you're walking around in Berkeley and you're not jaywalk, jaywalking like the rest, you can we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Can I stick up? All right, I got a, I got a question for you guys. Since we're talking about since we're talking about a assistant coaching pool and jaywalking, yes, jaywalking exactly. So Cal's coaching pool is what at three point six five five million, with ten assistants that averages out to about three hundred sixty five point five k in terms of your salary. Now let me ask you this: If Cal hired you to be an assistant coach at a three hundred sixty five k salary. Tell me where to where, sign. <laughs> where would you where would you live? Where would you live? Like how much of that money are you spending into like like how are you budgeting it out well, your salary if you're making that much? Am I like if like if Wilcox came tomorrow and is like you can call here's three hundred sixty grand to coach at Cal. Yeah. Then I'd be like, Hell, just drop me at Bertha, I'll take an apartment near this the stadium for two you know, for two for two K. I'll even take up a roommate who Basic, because I'll be living on the stadium, like as a coach. Yeah, like, yeah. I think or that's all. Recruiting, like. <laughs> ultimately, the correct answer to this question, for at least those of us who don't have children, is uh, the Tony Franklin lifestyle route. Uh, you get yourself an apartment on Shattuck Avenue and enjoy walking uphill to work every day. Yeah. I mean, I spent but, half of my undergrad at Evans Hall. Might as well do that for my work too. <laughs> I suppose the lazy answer is if you have a kid, you find some place to live in Arinda and send them to the La Marinda public school system. But nobody likes that as a fun answer. That's not yeah, that's not a fun answer. You, you I, I would just, if, I just imagine like Peter just, you know, renting out like a five thousand dollar like you know Berkeley Hills house with like you know four or five bedrooms, just you know with his with his glass of whiskey, just overlooking the bay every every evening. I think. Like- I'm at the stadium every evening. <laughs> no, but I mean, let's be real. I don't need six bedrooms. I don't. What am I gonna do it for? Six rooms full of cat stuff? Like it's just me and my cat. You, you, I, you are. You might become the old cat lady, is what you're saying of Cal football. I'm fine with that. Mm, there's awesome. a lot of competition for that role. <laughs> my cat is awesome. <laughs> do we still yeah. have people listening? We do. We have two people still here listening to us ramble about. Um, this is as much for you guys as it is for us. So if you guys want to ask us a question, give us yeah, your take, in, just, yeah. uh, hit the speaker request button, and uh, I can let you in so you can uh, yeah, we could chat. talk to us a little bit, uh, hang out. I mean, from a football uh, perspective, oh, I was mildly worried about... Oh. Hey, Sid, Sid hello. Us. How you doing, Sid? Good, how are you? We hey, hey. think we're all doing all right. That's good. It's a Friday night. It is. I'm drinking whiskey, so it's as good as any. Nice. Um, I didn't really have a question, but um, I did want to say a thank you because this week I had the opportunity to meet Cam Jordan. If you guys obviously oh, remember shit. him. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, oh, and I was listening to your podcast that you had um, that Cal player on. I, I feel so bad. I don't remember his name. Zach Angelillo? 
Well, I was gonna say it's it, the good news now is is it used to be if you asked something like that we'd be we'd know the answer immediately but now Rob's had enough on that we don't know. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, he was he was the one who entered the transfer. I know a lot has. Yes. Entered yes, the that's transfer that. portal. Yeah. Yes. And you asked him like what his top dog order was, so I decided oh, yes. that I was gonna ask him the same thing. Turns out he doesn't really like hot dogs. So that oh. was a little heart crushing to me, but you know, still got to talk to him. So that was cool. Nice. How did you, how did you end up talking to Kim Jordan? So one of my friends, she found, she co-founded this um, club called the, the XC collaborative. And she like, I don't know how she gets connections, but um, she has a bunch of like, athletes like professional athletes on and i saw he was the guest for this week and i was like oh i have to be on this call so i signed up and yeah it was really cool that's awesome yeah awesome. yeah cam jordan the last great cal defensive end after and we've, we've had like a decade-long drought since he left us but soon to be replaced by the new hotness of Brett Johnson. Brett, <laughs> if you look up Brett Johnson's roster photo, he looks like a, a villain of a you know 50s uh, Western movie with the long hair and the mustache and the goatee. It's, it's on point. And that man does pottery in his spare time. It's amazing. I don't think I'd heard that one. Yeah. He is a potter. He's a potter. That's yes. me. And the rumored transfer who might who's a, in the student directory already, but it's not announced. He enjoys make, doing magic in his spare time. That's awesome. Yeah. So well, we, we also able... lost we also lost an alpaca, alpaca, a future alpaca farmer. Yep. Drew, Drew, our fullback Drew Schlegel is a aspiring alpaca farmer. It's it's very sad. And you know. The guy I thought would be the next coming of uh, Jared Goff turned out he's the next coming of Zach Klein, Jaden Casey. Jaden Casey's no longer here as well. It, it is. It was. It's okay. been a sad week. <laughs> Let's not talk like he died, okay? Yeah. I mean, I mean, his, from his my career, perspective, uh... <laughs> his career at Cal has died. That's let's just let's just put it yeah. that way poetically. Yeah. I mean, um, the best defensive yeah. end we've ever had because. But Johnson did not play defensive end in my career. Is James Looney? It's the best defensive end since I've been a fan of Cal football. So, didn't Looney mostly play tackle anyway? I feel like they might have moved him around the line a little they bit. They moved him but... around a lot. Yeah, I think or, towards um, his senior year they were moving him around everywhere because he was there, he was basically their only pass rusher. There's one guy who had a co- cup of coffee with the Broncos. I'm trying to remember right now. Oh, uh, Kyle Cragen. Yes, release the Cragen. Cragen was solid. I, I might throw a shout out to Luke Beckett uh, as mm. maybe maybe the best defensive lineman since Jordan graduated, but it's it, it's honestly slim pickings. No, yeah. the most underrated loss for us was uh, Palmer. Mm. Not having Palmer guy. like the last few years. Yeah, that's that was the big pressure. But the thing yeah. is, the staff knew that Palmer wasn't you know here for he had like what two years left. Yeah. So, you know, it's just misses in the nose guard position that really hurt us. Yeah. Injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Upsetting. Yeah. Because two gapping nose guards don't grow on trees, and there's a reason why a lot of NFL teams are moving away from 
you know, three four or are running a two four uh, nickel is because nose guards, good nose guards like Vita Vea or Vince Rufork are super hard to find. And if they are, they're you know, if you want to pick one up in free agency, it's you know, it's outsized premium. So, so, so you're telling me that none of the defensive linemen on the Cal roster is the next Aaron Donald? Is that what you're telling me right now? No, it's Brett Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the picture of Brett Johnson on Twitter that he posted? He was in the background of a Jermaine Terry one. That oh, yeah, where he has six... the midriff? Yeah, and he has a six-pack. Like, he has a visible six-pack at 300 pounds. <laughs> I, I already I said this a bunch of times. Uh, go back and look at Brett Johnson's freshman year uh, stats, and then go back and look at Aaron Donald's freshman year stats. They're I mean, exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I, as much as I love Brett Johnson, I'm not gonna call him this. You know, the next coming of the best defensive lineman in NFL history. Oh my goodness! He could be the next MVP. Who knows? We don't know, but you know, I haven't seen. Brett, I've seen Brett Johnson double teamed every snap, but there. You know, the moment we know Brett Johnson has arrived is when. There'll be a play, and there'll be three Oregon or USC linemen just trying to block Brett Johnson, you know, from the four-eye position. And you have uh, McKenzie and uh, who's Zionde? No, Zion. Who's replacing Zionde? Uh, Hisatake. No. Well, in terms of number, Zion- he's, he's replacing Zionde. No, I'm saying like be... who's going to be the next defensive end? Oh, it'll probably Whoa. be Wilkins or Achilles Calhoun. I mean, wouldn't yeah. it be Brett Johnson? Tevis might take the other side, and then Johnson moves over. Yeah, well, so, Tevis is, yeah. Tevis, so yeah, Tevis would yeah probably take that. So yeah, yeah, Mackenzie and Tevis going one on one on you know, uh, I I can I can imagine the guard, the center, and the tackle going into Brett. You have then Mackenzie going against the guard, and then you have J.H. Tevis going against the other tackle. And if we're rushing four with a boundary linebacker, then it's Cam Good. So you kind of screwed because no running back in the Pac-12 can block Cam Good. Yeah. Well, especially if they run coin on the other side too. Then that becomes scary. Yeah. The things yeah. of nightmares. Again, it's health, right? It all comes down to health. comes down to whether or not our guys, you know, play out the same, the, you know, in the palace of our minds and whether the, you know, uh, the backfield is going to be able to cover for long enough for the pass rush to get home. This is a symbiotic relationship. Pass rush, pass rush helps the back end. The back end helps the pass rush. That's why, that's why we love the taker. I miss the take. And we only have one taker left. OG taker. Yeah, Nick. Drayden. Yeah, Nick, what are your thoughts picks. on We got two. Yeah. We got Drayden, Drayden with a, Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on Chiggy Anusian? Because I'm, he had some really blown assignments last year, the way I saw it, or just, you know... The speed of the game was still getting to him, but what are your thoughts on him? My thoughts on almost everything last year is that the snap counts are so slim that I'm I'm reluctant to say anything at all. <laughs> that's fair. I, think- I realize that's a cowardly answer, but <laughs> I like it. I like I like the diplomatic answer. That's valid. I mean, you know, I, a, a lot of people are throw like calling Wilcox. There are people out there in rivals who think that Wilcox is just Sunny Dykes with better branding, 
and they're like, Whoa, Wilcox is 500 in the Pac-12, and he went, he had one win last year. Just like, have you seen us last year? <laughs> like the circumstances of it. And um, yeah, yeah I think- no, last year was a glorified you know, scrimmage exhibition preseason. I think Wilcox. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. As it, Wilcox skepticism, I think, is a reasonable opinion to have. I wouldn't base that opinion on anything that happened last year. Yeah. Um, and specific to to Anusium and and really any player last year, like you know, football is a matchup game, and so mm-hmm. you know if if you're a player like. You you play a four game season and you have two games where you're going against like uh, a walk on offensive tackle or you're you're facing up against a wide receiver who is on his way to the NFL. You know either extreme, you could end the season looking either way better or way worse than whatever your baseline is because yeah. four games is just so not much. To say nothing about, you know, whatever Cal may have lost in terms of preparation time. So, you know, I don't want to say throw it all out because, you know, we can't we can't throw away what little evidence we have of how the team is going to perform, but it just tells us so little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very high variance. I mean, I think that the, the big point that everyone, a lot of people make, and I saw Terrence make this. Uh, in the comments um, the other day on the website was uh, about Wilcox's in-conference record, like season over season has not gone past 500. And I think, to be honest, I think that's the next benchmark, right? Is can he get to that point where he can win at least half of his conference games? Because he's been, he's been undefeated in out-of-conference games, you know, over his tenure here. And that's pretty much what carried him to two two back-to-back bowl games. Um, but he needs to start winning those conference games. Like, I honestly wouldn't mind going 0-3 and out of conference if it gives us, you know, like 75%, you know, win percentage in conference, right? Like, I'd, I'd much I'd much rather prefer the wins in conference, but uh, that's the yeah. next step. Yeah, because, you know, Pac-12 North, what do we have? We have a rival who knows, you know, rivalry games. Even if we're, you know, if Stanford's two and six coming in, it's still a dangerous team because it's a rivalry game. We have U Dub, you have Oregon, both highly recruiting teams. You have Oregon State, which looks to be, you know, on the up and up, and we have Washington State, which is a question mark wrapped in a enigma and you know, year to year basis Pullman. And then we have a, you know, we always play UCLA, which, despite its ups and downs, always recruits well. You have USC, which is another blue blood. You know, it's going se- you know seventy five hundred against that that Pac twelve schedule. You know, shows a lot about the quality, and it would definitely elevate us to a contender status. And yeah, I agree with you. It's it's the net. It's the next thing. That's definitely it. Also, if you guys didn't know, Sid is a. I don't know if she's still here, but uh, she's one of our avid listeners for the podcast, and uh, she sends us questions all the time. Uh, but she's a. She's a uh, she's an Oregon student. I think she's graduating this year, but I think she grew up a Cal fan. So uh, oh nice, yeah. Now see, that's how you do it because you get to have the cred of 
following the pain that is Cal, but also the enjoyment to following an actually successful athletics program at the same time. So, you know, very intelligently done. Don't be like me and go to Georgetown for grad school because it's just disappointment upon disappointment. <laughs> like we have Patrick Ewing as our foot ahead basketball coach, but he's not doing much with it. Do uh, we want to talk about basketball? <laughs> That's something we want to really talk about. So lesson to you all, kids. Go to Alabama for grad school. <laughs> it's like one of our friends, Ben, went to Indiana for basketball and it was good and then it declined and he's in the same amount of peril watching Indiana basketball as he is Cal football. But he's from a, a Notre Dame family, so he's got that going for him. True. Um, yeah. Any final cool. questions, thoughts, ideas, no? prompts? We'll probably close it out. Uh, any other things you guys wanted to talk about? Just uh, since we're just hanging out. Jermaine Terry, two sixty-eight, apparently very good weight, and is an inline tight end. I'm all about that life. And you ask if I want to talk about Cal basketball, and it's so dangerous because if you get me started, I'll like black out and wake up thirty minutes later, having <laughs> said God knows what. Oh, in that format. Watch Kyle just email you and just like, I get it, you're frustrated, but bro, that man has a family. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, we it's have, bad, we have right? Bas- we have we have basketball stuff coming up uh, next week, so we'll, we'll save we'll save all of that stuff for then. But uh, wise man, I mean, I mean, Sid's the only one here, so Sid gets a sneak peek, but. Man, we got a crap ton of guests lined up for next week and the week beyond. Like, it's incredible. Like, I have. Can you can you spill some names? Yeah, you want you want me to? I yeah, this is not. Hell hard. yeah. Um, we got uh so of course we got Nick, our editor in chief. We're gonna be talking Boring. about Cal, Cal basketball with Nick, and uh, we also have I think for that same podcast I'm I'm gonna try and get uh, Gorsi on, um because I I messaged him and I was like hey do you mind coming on like talking about you know, Konzo and the Viking transition, everything that happened there, and, you know, the AD stuff between Williams, and there's no stuff that happened between Williams and Knowlton, but just that transition period um, and all that, and he was super down to come talk about it, so he's coming on. Then we got um, Andy Liu from the Warriors Light Years podcast, who's a buddy of mine. Um, we're just going to come on and talk random crap about Bay Area stuff. Uh, and then... Uh, who else do I have? Uh, Kalen Jones from The Ringer, who does NFL uh, writing. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about golf. talk about other Cal players. He's an Arizona State grad, so I might grill him a little bit about Arizona State you know, NFL players. But, um, yeah, so Kalen's going to be on. Uh, Mark Kim, who is a Missouri grad but runs socials for ESPN. Oh. Um, a Korean brother of mine. Uh He's a big time Missouri basketball fan, so Nick and this is gonna be this is gonna be sad sad tears uh, for any Cal basketball fans. But he's gonna come on and we're gonna talk about uh, what year five under Konzo looks like at yeah, Missouri. Yeah, has Konzo been recruiting? Very uh, well, yeah. decently well. I uh, it, so un- unlike insane Tennessee fans who <laughs> uh, bombarded our mentions every time Cal lost a game to laugh about Konzo. Um, I, I've always tempted to be the opposite of bombarding Missouri fans' Twitter mentions with 
with jealousy and happiness for Conzo every time Missouri wins a, a big game. Well, to be it's fair, we're sad. not uh, Tennessee fans, so we don't have as much anger and resentment towards life as they do. Well, I have lots of anger and resentment towards life. It's just not directed at a at a Sports, basketball yeah. coach. It's just it's just directed at the void of existence. A rage again. Uh, ah, yes. Would you like to discuss Kierkegaard after this? Oh my goodness. Cal football no. uh, locker room where we discuss football and Soren Kierkegaard's existentialist philosophy when it comes to the concept of the meaning of life and cats. Mm. That cat's so cute right now. He's just floating next to me. Yeah. So we got all that planned. And then my final guest is going to be a a buddy of mine from high school, Hayes Creech. He's a, he's a digital, he's the digital content manager and writer at FIFA.com. Oh. So uh, we're going to talk about women or men's, men's and women's, uh, U.S. men's uh, national team, MLS, Cal guys in the MLS, the future of, the future of soccer in, in America, whether the collegiate way works or do we have to transition into that European, you know, youth system type of setup. Talk about Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about Ted Lasso. Yeah. you got to ask him if he gets any of that sweet, sweet FIFA kickback money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's, if he's uh, legally allowed to talk about those that kickback money. He'd be that's going against his own boss. If you go to his Twitter page, it literally links to FIFA.com. <laughs> Well, so I'm, I'm going to assume the answer is no, unless there's any sort of like Interpol uh, uh, warrant out for his arrest. Wiretappings on a podcast. <laughs> I mean, we've said some incriminating stuff today, so. <laughs> Clearly, I'm going to have to edit some of this stuff out before it goes uh, into the podcast RSS feed. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> Um, well, thank you, gents. This was fun. Oh, thank you. We'll do this again. We're just gonna yeah. we're just gonna come on, come on, chit chat. Not much. And then let the fine people of uh who listen to us. And today it was Sid, and then like two or three other people that came in and left. But you know, yeah, we'll, we'll talk when. Wait, what's the difference stuff. between this and just us talking on YouTube and responding to comments? Uh, I think besides the video, because, yeah, yeah. So we don't need the video. You can do this via audio. I. I also just got the link maybe three minutes before we went live where I can host these via my computer, like on the ah. app. And if you're like a co-host, I can in, I can I can bring you in on the computer, so you don't need to be on like your phone. But uh, yeah, there's some, just some other things. And then this also has better quality, I think, for pulling down uh, audio more than video. But yeah. All right. Well, gents, enjoy your weekend. Uh, Sid, thank you for joining us. Enjoy your yeah. weekend. Um, and uh, I will. I'm, I talk to you guys 24 7, so I, I don't even need to say, like, bye. It's just. I'll just See talk you in to a you flip side. Like, yeah. I'll probably talk to you in, like, the next 30 minutes anyway. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget, go Bears and drink your vodka meat. All right. Go Bears. <laughs> go Bears. Bye. <laughs>